as we're preparing for this week, um, I kept coming back to a passage. And I want to spend just a handful of minutes talking through this. I'm not going to teach on the ins and outs of baptism for certain reasons, um, but I want like all of us to be able to reflect on our own lives this morning, uh, as this isn't just about the couple people who are scheduled to get baptized. And it starts off like this. There is uh, what we know to be a young ruler, and he's a rich young ruler, meaning that he has money, he has stuff, he has status, he has people that look to him, his family is probably put together, he more than likely has like property and maybe a couple of vacation homes, uh, he may or may not win some kind of a community accolade throughout the years, uh, he is someone of status, of prestige, someone who's doing well, someone who has it together, and he, he tracks Jesus down at one point, and it starts off like this. As he went out into the street, Jesus, a man came, in, came running up, greeted him with great reverence, and asked, good teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? It's a decent question, right? Like, I, I don't know, I, it probably floats around in our minds more often than we actually think. Like, what is, what is after this life? Like right now, like in my physical body and the blood coursing through and my heart beating, like if that just all stops, like what's next? What happens from here? And, and then maybe the, the greater question is like, how does now actually dictate what happens next? And, and I'm sure we all come from different places of how now compares to then. You know, for, for some, we're told to like, man, don't smoke, don't drink, don't cuss. Don't, and that's, that's your way to this idea of eternal life, right? Some, it, it might be the, the complete opposite. Like, well, just be nice to people. Just be, just be a, a good person and it's all going to work out. Like, it's, it's going to be, be good. You will have life afterwards. And, and then, you know, some of us probably fall anywhere in between. Anywhere in between. And, and this is both inside of faith and outside of faith, these questions of what happens next? How do I actually get eternal life? And it continues. Jesus said, why are you calling me good? No one is good, only God. No one is good, only God. That, that feels harsh. You know the commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat. Honor your father and mother. Now, now, now no one is, is good, but do all these good things, right? Like uphold the laws that have been handed, uphold the things that your parents tell you to, be a, be a good boy or girl in school, right? Don't, don't disrupt anything. Just live up to what, what, what culture is saying is right and good and true around you in the moment. Or maybe it's just living from what you desire and what you think is good and right and pleasing and, and what you enjoy. Whatever it is, like, just do good. Do, do all these things because you're not good. But if you do good things, then that'll make up for you not being good. And then maybe that's where eternal life is. But why, why are you calling me good, Jesus said to him. He said, good, good teacher. Why, why are you calling me good? Now, now, you're not good. Now, 
Here's the weird thing is I think oftentimes we might think in a room like this, there's like good people and there's bad people. Or maybe you think like, oh man, at least like I'm not like those people in prison. Like they, they're really bad. Or like, oh, at least I'm not like that person over there that did that thing because they're, they're really bad. I, I have it together. Now, I would argue in Jesus' thinking here that actually we are all bad. And this is like where I get to be the bearer of bad news. Like, I don't know about you, but like, if you think about on this last week, like, think about your worst thought that you had. Let's just start there. I don't know, maybe even just think back to this morning. I, a few minutes ago, I, like, think about that. And then, and then there's a degree at which that thought for some people actually works us all the way up to acting on and like life falls apart and destroys and kills and it goes pretty far. Like there's innate something off inside of us. And it's part of what Jesus is saying, like no one's good. There's actually something that just isn't right. It isn't perfect. It isn't whole. No one is good, but, but God is good. We'll come back to that a little bit more. So, so he goes on. He's saying, look, don't do all this stuff. And, and this young, having it together, having all things, says, teacher, I have, from my youth, I've kept them all. all. All the things that my Sunday school teacher told me to do or not to do, I got it. Hey, all those laws, the 600 plus laws that ran beyond this list as a good Jewish boy, I have done. I, I, I've, I've crushed it. Like, I've done all these things. Like, I... I the whole eternal life, like, I, I, I'm like, I don't know, in front of the line. Like, I, I've got everything put together. I, I've done them all. Like, he, he's got to be feeling pretty good right now. Like, he just, like, Jesus is like, well, do this, this, and this, and he's like, yeah, I got it. I got it. Feeling, feeling pretty good. I, I wonder if you think about your life right now, what are the areas that you're doing pretty good in, that, that you've got it, you feel pretty good, and then what are the areas that you're not? What are the areas in your life that you're aware of this piece not going too well, this habit keeps coming up, this way I operate in relationships just continues to seem to like fall apart, or the areas that you may not feel completely secure or satisfied. What's going well and what's not going well? So to that, he's pretty proud of himself, and then Jesus continues. He looked at him hard in the eye and loved him. Pause there. He looked at him hard in the eye and he loved him. Andrew, he looked at you hard in the eye and he loved you. Holly, he looked at you hard in the eye and he loved you. Wesley, he looked at you hard in the eye and he loved you. Kelly, he looked you hard in the eye. He loved you. Justin, he looked you hard in the eye, and he loved you. How, how often do you think about that? Like, I, I don't know about you, but I, I can go through my days oftentimes thinking about what's going well and what's not, what I'm good at and what I'm not. But how, how often do I actually pause and let God look at me in the eye and love me? He looked him in the eye loved him. Looked him in the eye and he loved him. And he said, there's one thing left. Go sell whatever you own and give it to the poor. All your wealth will then be heavenly wealth and come follow me. 
Now, in a culture like ours, it's very easy to rank who's winning and who's losing, who's doing well and who's not. The challenge is, is it's all relative because Daniel and I probably have a different list of a lot of the similarities, but then there's differences. Like, oh, this person's doing better than this person. He's like, oh, I don't know, like, they're probably doing this. And like, like well, they're, they're like, it's all relative. You and I have different lists of what's good and what's bad. So, so to actually measure how we're doing becomes very, very challenging. But what Jesus does here is he says, okay, you're, you got it all. You're nailing it. You're checking the boxes. You're living up to the things that a good Jewish boy would who has it all together and is representative of his community. But here's what I want you to do. Take all your possessions, all the things you have, and I want you to sell them and give it to the poor. And then come follow me. So, so there's an interesting distinction here that you, you can be a good person. You can do the things that are applauded and clapped for, and there's a list that someone has, whether it's yours or someone else's, that you're crushing it in. But he makes a distinction between doing good and following him. And the gap seems to be something. For this man, it was his money and his wealth and his possessions. And Jesus said, if you give that up, come follow me. And then it goes on like this. The man's face clouded over. This was the last thing he expected to hear, and he walked off with a heavy heart. He was holding on tight to a lot of things, not about to let go. What are you holding on to this morning? What's the thing that is a separate from whether you're doing good or bad, and it's just that thing that's, that's yours that you're holding pretty tightly on that you're trying to find satisfaction in, that you're trying to find all of your being and your identity in, that you're finding your influence in? What's, what's the thing this morning? Is it more income? Is it a better relationship? Is it your appearance? Like, like just if you keep going down the list, what, what's the thing? that You're like, man, God, I'm crushing it in all these areas, but I, I can't give you this one. Like this, this, is for my, this is for me to figure out. This is, this is mine. Is it your children? Is it your career? Is it your status? What, what's the thing that, that he makes a distinction? You're good or you're bad, but then there's a gap between following him. And, and it continues as this man's head is held down and he walks off. Looking at his disciples, and now he turns to everyone else that was sitting there. That's quite vulnerable, right? There's like others in part of this conversation that we had no idea about. So, so like, imagine like Jesus talking to me like that. And I feel I'm feeling pretty good about myself, but all you were sitting here quietly watching it happen. I don't even know if this guy knew that the others were around. Who knows? But he looks to all of them and he says, do you have any idea how difficult it is for people who have it all to enter God's kingdom? Do you have it all? Do you... Now, I know there's a lot you don't have, and you can make a quick list of who has more than you, but but in your mind, do you have it all? Do you have everything that you need to become the person that you want to become? Do you, do you have everything you need to be the loving, grace-filled, kind, gentle, peacemaking person? Do, do, you, do you actually have all of it to become everything that God wants to do in your life? Do, do you have it? Do, can you do it? Do you have it all? Do you have it all? Because this man 
had it all. And his thing was his status and his money. And he said, it's difficult for these people to enter the God's kingdom. The disciples couldn't believe that they were hearing. And Jesus kept on. You can't imagine how difficult. I'd say it's easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for the rich to get into God's kingdom. Next one. That got their attention. Then who has any chance at all? So, so if I can't earn my way into life with God by my merit, by my morals, by my good behavior, by my success, by my status, by feeling good about myself, if I can't enter God's kingdom that way, then, then I think we should all be a little bit depressed and walking away to feel let down because we've been now been told something that we so badly wanted to hear that I could earn my love from God, that I could earn life with God, that I could earn, that I could earn, that I could earn, got their attention, then they, then who has any chance at all? Next slide. Jesus was blunt, no chance at all if you think, if you think you can pull it off by yourself. Every chance in the world if you let God do it. You, you have no chance at all. Does that feel good this morning? <laughs> like, like whatever you're trying to grow in or become and the habit you want to overcome or the, the thing that just feels habitual in your life that continues to just lead to some kind of brokenness or unsettledness inside of you, you actually have no chance. Have a good morning. Like, that, he just tells them all. You, you have no chance. You think you have it all, but you actually don't. You don't have it all. You think you have You want to have it all. But guess what? Even when you get what you think is all, he still says... You don't have it. You, you can't do it. And this draws us back to the beginning when he says, why do you call me good? The only one who is God is good is God. There, there are no good people. The only one that's good is God. And I think in the beginning, what he's trying to do with, with you and me, as he was with this rich young ruler, is to say, do you actually believe you're good and that you have it all? Or do you believe that God is good and he can do it all? Do you believe that on your own moral and merit, do you believe that you can earn your way to do all the things that God wants you to do in your life? To become the person that he wants you to become? Because I know I'm not the only one in the room that can walk around oftentimes feel shame and guilt because this piece of my life is just a little bit off and I actually don't want people to know about it. That I, I actually don't feel completely whole or confident every time I walk up here and grab a mic and act to speak on behalf of God. But, but, but man, I, I need to act like it, don't I? What's the area of your life where you don't have, you actually have needs and you have wants and you have unmet needs and unmet wants and, and it just doesn't seem, because over and over again, especially if you're here this morning and you don't do church, we do this weird thing where we sing to walls. That doesn't happen often until it's like a 2 a.m. at a bar doing karaoke. In a minute, we're going to be like dunking people underwater. And actually, if you're thinking about it, it might be best symbolized as actually being dunked in a coffin. That might be just be too grim. But we'll talk more about that later. But, but like as we do this thing called church, oftentimes it's this idea that I have my life together. Well, well those are the people that have this relationship with God, and because of that, they have it figured out. And then very quickly, don't those become the people that think others don't actually have it figured out? And now most people statistically look at the church as hypocrites, because aren't they the ones that are supposed to be perfect? And what Jesus is doing here is he's undoing the entire narrative of religion, saying, no, you actually do not have any of the things that I want to do in and through you, but God does. 
In, in all the areas you're trying to strive and earn and grow, you're not going to get there because you're by yourself. And you, you can't do it alone. You can't do it on your own, but, but God can. And a part of this, this next slide, just a quick little phrase, life with God is life by God. And, and as simple as that sounds, what I was trying to think of is that if I want to have any life with God, it's really just because of him. If, if, if I actually want to enter into a good life, an abundant life, a life where he has plans for me and to prosper me and not to harm me, if I, if I want the idea of community and to feel loved and to feel whole and to feel connected, it's not by me, it's by him. It, it, it's nothing that I can do, it's what he can do. It's nothing that I have done, it's what he has done. And so what we're doing in the act of baptism is it's actually a bunch of people who are willing to come to this point and say, I can't do this on my own. I, I cannot keep doing this. I want life with God. I want life with other people. I want to feel whole. I want peace. I no, no longer want anxiety. I want to have grace in my life. I want to be able to forgive people. I mean, you just keep going down the list. I want to live differently. I want to be generous. I want life with God. Those are the people that say, I can't do it on my own. But God, in his mercy and grace, has extended his hand through Jesus, through the life, the death, and the resurrection, and has pursued you, just like he did with this young man. He's looked you in the eyes and has said, I love you. That is the starting point of all things with God. That is the starting point of who you want to become or who you think you want to become. That is the starting point of, of seeing relationships healed and repair this is the starting point of you living more confidently into the giftings that God has given you and the specific calling for your life to live out a greater purpose than the mundane life that we oftentimes experience from eight to five, Monday to Friday, to find alleviation on the weekend. We're a bunch of people who are walking into a building on a Sunday morning saying, man, this life is freaking hard. I need a savior. I need God, I need you. You and I, like, this is what it starts to look like, and baptism becomes the representation saying, I'm here, and I'm showing up, and I want more. I want more of God. I want more wholeness. I, I want all the things that God has for my life, and I know I can't do it on my own anymore. And I want to proclaim that publicly on behalf of God, but also with each other. Baptism is for people who want to go further with God, but know they cannot do it themselves. And this is oftentimes humiliating, humiliating, which oftentimes requires vulnerability. Someone said it better than I ever could. Genuine transformation requires vulnerability. It is not the fact of being loved unconditionally that is life-changing. It is the risky experience of allowing myself to be loved unconditionally. My, my, my parents can tell me all they want that they love me unconditionally that they love me no matter what I do. But until I actually step into the vulnerable state of receiving that, I don't know if I ever experienced the love to be transformed in a person that feels loved, that lives as if I'm loved, that doesn't have to go into every room being insecure and trying to earn status and approval, that doesn't have to pull away when God is calling me into something because I doubt myself. And you just keep going down the list it's this idea that I can vulnerably step in, being that rich young ruler, seeing Jesus in front of me, looking me deeply in the eye, saying, I love you. And it's because of that love that he asks us to sell the possessions to give to the poor and to follow him. 
to give up your status and your ego, to, to give it away to somebody else, and to follow him. To stop worrying about the future which you cannot control and to follow him. To forgive the people that you're bitter against and not forgiving and to follow him. To start giving generously because the money that you want is never going to be your full satisfaction and to follow him. Over and over and over again. So for some of us in this room, maybe most who have been baptized, this is a morning to remember your baptism. To, to remember that, that this is what baptism comes from. That that he has looked at you and I, and he has said, I love you, and for that reason, man, give up that thing you don't want to give up because I have so much more for you than you could ever imagine by following me because he is good, and he is loving, and he is kind, and he knows you more than you know yourself. That is what we're celebrating in baptism. And lastly, to put a button on it, First Peter 3.21, they're talking about some water with Noah beforehand. And this water symbolizes baptism and now it saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not the removal of dirt. You do not have your life completely put together yet. Oftentimes, as I will get baptized once I have it all figured out. I will enter into baptism once I'm put together. I will put, go into baptism once this thing falls off of me. I'll go into baptism once I stop doing this thing that I know other people don't approve of. But no, he, he actually says, no, this isn't, that's not the point. It, it's not for you to become perfect and have it all figured out and become legalistic and think you have all the answers and know what's best for other people. He's saying that you enter in because you're proclaiming that the rest of your life is to follow him even when you don't have it figured out, even when you do still feel broken, even when this thing still feels off kilter. Baptism is saying, I am putting my love, my trust, my grit, everything that I, everything that I can, I'm putting in my life with Jesus. Over and over and over again to follow him. It's not for those that are perfect and have it figured out. It's for those that have come to the realization that they never will be perfect and they will never have it all figured out. But God's promise is that he does because he's looked you in the eye and he said, I love you and I have all of you. Give me the thing. Give me the thing.